0: Angela Duckworth was an eighth grade, uh, I think she was a math teacher, when she made an important discovery almost by accident that changed the direction of her professional life. She offered her students a choice. She told them, you can have a dollar today, or if you'll wait next week, I'll give you $2. And what she found out was very startling that those who could wait uh, that was a, that their ability to wait was a greater predictor of their academic success than their IQ and she began to uh, see other parallel researching that revealed things like in a three- or four-year-old, the ability... Have you ever seen the marshmallow test where they wait? You can get another marshmallow if you wait a certain period of time. That the ability to wait on the second marshmallow actually translate, or it correlated, let me say this, it correlated into typically scoring 200 points higher on the SAT when they got to high school. We also find that tests like this reveal that those who can wait... Uh, have a lower body mass index, they are, uh, have lower incidence of depression, and they have lower incidence of addiction as they get older. Of course, we call it delayed gratification. It can be called impulse control. But what we find is that the ability to delay gratification, the ability to see the long game, and play that actually leads to better and more positive outcomes in life than wanting the things we can have right now. Now, when I read that, I think about this story of Jacob and Esau. And uh, Miss Jennifer did a good job with the children, and I don't want to repeat too much of that. But they they were twins, twins. Uh, Esau's name means little red hairy one, which would be, that would be terrible to be saddled with that all your life, wouldn't it? I'd like to introduce to you to my friend, little hairy, red hairy one. But it's the way he looked. And Jacob was born holding on to his heel, and that, his name means little heel holder, which is kind of like little back back climber, somebody who's always trying to pull you back to get over top of you. And this is the way it plays out in their lives. So uh, Jacob is, uh, I guess, in the tent, and he has fixed lunch, and Esau comes in from the field and says, I'm famished, let me have some of that. And Jacob says, well, I'll tell you what, if you'll sell me your birthright, which is wrapped up in inheritance in in many cultures it includes if there are two boys there's three shares and i hate to say this but in the culture it was all it was all boys uh three shares and the birthright was two of the three so it doubled your share of what you would get and so for half of his projected fortune esau Sells, uh, sells to Jacob in order to have a bowl of soup. In the King James, uh, it's often referred to as a mess of pottage, which just really sounds nasty to me, but it, it kind of, uh, I think, emphasizes just exactly what he has traded for. Half of his future fortune for a mess of pottage what good is it to me if I starve to death now? I won't be here. Now I have to confess I I I suffer from hypoglycemia and both my daughters do. And we trade stories about who who got the hangriest, you know, who was really upset waiting for food. And uh, so I can identify with Esau, but I believe I could hold on for thirty minutes in order to have half my fortune. But not Esau. And so what we find here is this story that encapsulates, I think, the Bible's message that what happens in the immediate moment is not always, and maybe often not, the most important moment of life. Now, there are times where we come to a critical juncture, and we must decide yes or no, now or never. But in so many cases, we're looking at the long view of things. And what God is doing in our lives or in the world or wherever we may be focusing is not tied to this particular moment. This is why in in the prophets, you know, a favorite verse of young people uh, is often, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and hope. Well, why would we even care about that verse unless that means there is more? We're interested in in the plans that God has for us out there. Habakkuk says, How long, O Lord, how long? will I wait? Why bother to wait on the Lord if everything that is important is in this moment? And I'm sure uh, Noah's wife probably thought Noah could have spent his time doing something more productive than building an ark for all those years until the first drop. If uh, Noah had not been able to invest time in in something that looked totally foolish and worthless today for the sake of what is going to happen down the road, well, where would any of us be? And so there are times when we have to understand that when we yield to the immediate moment, we are selling our lives often for a bowl of soup, for a mess of pottage. When we get to the New Testament, think about what Jesus says. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but rather lay up treasure in heaven. And what is that but delaying gratification? Do not fear those who can kill the body. Fear rather those who can kill the soul. Ah, so what I might be afraid of in this moment may not be the worst thing to be afraid of. Why do we hope in the resurrection of the dead if death is the last word? Haven't we all stood beside the grave of someone that we love dearly? And it is very difficult in those moments, but we find our comfort in the belief that there is more than this moment here. Death is not the last word but the last word is life in Jesus Christ. And I'm always struck by the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians, he is talking about how many times he's been beaten, how many times he's been imprisoned, and all the suffering that he's gone through. And he says, And I count them as a light, momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory. That is waiting for me in Christ Jesus. The whole message of our faith is that there are times where we must be looking forward to see the fullness of what God has intended for us. And the fullness in our lives, the satisfaction and the joy in our lives is not found in this immediate moment, but in working toward that future that God wants us to be a part of. Even times, pardon me, (coughs) when we will not see the fulfillment of what we're working on. And then I think about the number of times that people ask me to do something that is important and I say, I'm too busy. Too busy Doing what, or I think about being asked to give to something that is a that is a worthy cause, and I say i don 't have any money i don 't have any money for what because I know where i 've spent my time and I know where i 've spent my money uh, when I was working with the community foundation in um, in Rome. And I would talk about raising money with my wife. She said, well, you know, most people, when they say I don't have any money, don't mean they don't have any money. They just mean they don't have any money for you. And uh, I think about the number of times that I've done that, where I have spent my hours, my life, my money, or I am spending my hours, my life, and my money on things that will not matter. And so what I want to uh, encourage us on this Memorial Day weekend is to think about the long view in life, and yes, even the eternal view in the eyes of God. It doesn't mean that this life is not important, but it just means that everything that is really valuable can't be had right now. That there are things that we must wait for, that there are things that we must work toward, there are things we must invest in, there are things we must give ourselves to in order to see the full joy that God has waiting for. And speaking of Memorial Day, I mean, where would any of us be if there were not people who saw their lives as something extremely valuable, yet to be sacrificed for something more valuable, something that they may not see the future of, but it was worth it in the moment. When we drive down the streets and see the flags, or we get home and we see the flag we have flying at the house, we need to remember that that the flag is there as an American political symbol of the very thing that we're talking about. Some things must be invested in to see the fullness of what they offer. And so Angela Duckworth discovered that the people who can wait, the people who can not only wait but watch and work, find a, a, a better life. I mean, <laughs> a higher grade on the SAT, uh, less depress- depression and addiction, better relationships. Oh, the, the, the way relationships track and the people who can wait is so different than the way relationships track in those who can't. And how much more in this life of faith, faith in Jesus Christ, how much more to be looking toward the eternal and the things that will last for ourselves, our children, our children's children, and then in eternity... How much more joy there might be for each of us. Shall we pray? Oh God, we pray that you would help us to not be short sighted on this life, not to be short sighted in these hours, but to always be looking forward to the fullness of what you offer the fullness of what you have planned. Teach us to be wise stewards of who we are and what we have. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.